In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Glad to have you with us today on the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Danzi, and we are in week three of a several-week study of the book of Romans, specifically chapter 12. Today we're going to be focusing on verse 2, and so if you haven't listened to the past couple weeks, I'd say pause this one and go back and listen, because the setup for this is vitally important. This is a study that I do early on in my discipleship groups. It's really foundational, and I think it's important to set the tone of what it is that God has called us to do, how God has called us to live in this world. You know, God created the world, and of course, this is our Father's world. I love that song. But the reality is, is that we live in a world system that is not God's design, not God's plan. So while we know that for God so loved the world, uh, this world system actually threatens God's dream for our life. So picture this. God has a dream for our life, and yet we are trying to discern that and live that out in a world that daily threatens that dream. And, and nobody's exempt here from, from this influence of the world on our life. And so today, I just really want to try to help us open our eyes to why is it that so many Christians live defeated lives? Um, how can we say yes to God and no to the world's system? Well, Romans chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 2, really speaks to that today. And let me read it to you from the NIV. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there is a negative command here that that this verse starts with, but it's also followed up by a positive command. And the negative commands is what how it starts. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Now, other translations include the word any longer, with the assumption that you and I were born into a world that seemed to be wonderful as children and just, you know, uh, seemed to be a, a safe place full of hope and opportunity for many. For others, it was much more challenging than that. But we all began to develop these patterns that we started conforming our life to. For instance, many of us start off as children and we say what we think. And we, uh, whatever comes to mind, we say, we love that about children, right? I remember a, a, <laughs> a little child at church one day and I was getting on one knee to speak to her and her parents were standing there and it was a moment I'll never forget because I had been talking to her parents for a bit and I bent down to talk to her and she said, you know what? And I said, what? And she said, your breath stinks. <laughs> well, she was right. I'm convinced. And here's the thing. The parents probably thought that too. You know, when your breath's bad, you're always the last one to know. And yet she thought it and said it. We love that about children. That's the way we used to be. But then things happen and things come along and we age and we get up to say eight or nine or 10 and we realize there's certain things that I just can't say anymore or I can't do that anymore because that's not appropriate. And we start kind of living this, what we would call a bifurcated life. In other words, there are things that we really think and then there are things that we say 
or do, and sometimes those two do not meet up. And it develops a pattern for us. And if we're not careful, then we live uh, under what one author called the mask of masculinity for men. We begin to have a backstage, front stage life, as Parker Palmer talks about. And so it's a pattern that we, the world lives, that we can conform to, and then we meet Christ. The Holy Spirit enters our bodies, and the creator of the universe begins to inhabit us and begins to point out things that are not godly, they're worldly. And we may be confused by that because we've been living this way a long time. It's just a pattern of the world. And Paul is saying to us in this profound passage, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. In other words, what got you here won't get you there. An expanded translation of this verse says, stop allowing yourselves to be molded by the influences and pressures of this world's system. So some of us today are making decisions based on the homes we grew up in and the expectations we had, realistic or unrealistic, from our parents. I know a person who, when purchasing a major purchase or a vehicle or uh, maybe a new home or even maybe an expensive pair of boots or something, cannot pull the trigger on that purchase without thinking, what would my dad think about this? Well, their dad has been gone for years. Their dad's going to have no idea they bought this. And yet, in their mind, they cannot help but run it through the filter of, my dad would not approve of me buying this or purchasing this. The reality is they're a grown person making their own money, making their own decisions. But you see, there was this pattern that formed in their mind that's continuing to influence their behavior. Sometimes it's positive. Oftentimes it's negative. And so the negative command here is, stop doing that. Don't be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Why? Because as a believer, this world is not your home. Man, you're, you're a citizen of heaven. You're just here temporarily. So act like it. Don't act like you're going to live here forever. No, a Christian should stand out and be different. If the world's swimming to the left, the Christian swims to the right. It's, it's not that you're being ornery or difficult. It's just that we're not conforming any longer to the pattern of this world. One of the patterns of this world is revenge. Christians don't seek revenge. We'll see that later in Romans chapter 12. And so there are many patterns that we may develop in our life, um, but Paul's encouraging us here to let's rethink those patterns. Stop being conformed to the pattern of this world. Negative command. Here's the positive command, though. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What do you think when you hear that word transformed? You may have all kinds of images come to mind, but this word literally comes to us, metamorpho is the Greek word there, and it we get our word in English metamorphos, and it's the process of the chrysalis. If you think about the caterpillar, one of the most astounding things in creation is the caterpillar who metamorpho, who transforms into the, the butterfly. You know, no butterfly ever flew around up in the sky looking down at caterpillars going, boy, I really miss slithering around on my belly. (laughs) No, they've been transformed never to go back to that again. Well, this is the word that Paul uses here to say be transformed. Now, how does one become transformed? Well, the rest of this verse says how. By the renewing of your mind. The renewing of the mind is what we call spiritual formation. The renewing of the mind is 
instead of focusing on what we don't have, we focus on what we do have in Christ. Instead of focusing on past mistakes, we focus on future victories. The renewing of the mind is an interesting concept that I really want to dive into much more. I do a lot of this in in coaching and counseling, and this is where much of the work of life transformation takes place. We oftentimes think if we could change our circumstances, life would be better. The reality is, is if we change our perspective in our circumstances, our circumstances begin to change, and then life gets better. So this positive command is what I'd really like for us to, to consider. And another way to expand this part of the verse is this way. But allow God to completely change your inward thinking and outward behavior by cooperating wholeheartedly, moment by moment, with the Spirit's renewing process. You see, the Holy Spirit is the ever-present agent of God that lives within our bodies that is moment by moment helping us to renew our mind. And it's in the renewing of our mind is how our life begins to change for the better. And what's really interesting from this negative command of not being conformed to the pattern of the world and the positive command of being transformed by the renewing of our mind is the purpose. And the purpose we find at the end of this verse, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That is a question that seems to be on everyone's mind. What is God's purpose for my life? Why is God allowing this to happen? Why is God not allowing that to happen? And we can spend a tremendous amount of cognitive energy on trying to figure out what's going on, when and why and how, and all these types of things. The reality is, is we need to be spending our time and our attention on renewing our minds. It's in the renewal of the mind that the life is transformed and God's will can be discerned. So when someone comes to me and wants me to help them discern God's will for their life, you know, it's really difficult for another person to discern God's will for your life if your mind is not being renewed day by day. So let me read to you the expanded translation of this part of the verse. Another way to think about this is to stop allowing yourselves to be molded by the influences and pressures of this present world. Stop allowing Satan to dupe you and con you and use you and trick you and promise you life and love and power through a seductive world system that will only deliver disappointment, defeat, depression, and make you a slave to sin. Wow, what an encouragement today for us to stop being conformed to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, when I say the world, the reality is, is we live in the world. There's no getting out of that. We're here for a determined amount of time, (laughs) and we're going to make the best of this and, and try to finish and complete all of God's plan for us. But we're going to do it in a world and in a world system that is not congruent with God's system. So I want to look into another couple of passages of Scripture in your Bible today just to make this point and to consider what's being asked of us here. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, I'll repeat that in case you're flipping pages or clicking to it right now. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, in the NIV it says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. 
For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Now, John is helping us make a distinct difference in the way God thinks and the way the world thinks, or God's system of life and the world's system of life. So go back to this verse for a second and the negative command of not being conformed to the pattern of this world. Well, what, what is the pattern of the world? Well, John gives us three things that really define and frame up for us what the pattern of this world is. And the first one we see in Scripture is the lust of the flesh. Now, that doesn't sound too appealing <laughs> to us, but basically the lust of the flesh interpreted for us today uh, would be the passion to feel. The passion to feel. Now, in the crudest definition of this, we would use a word called hedonism. I remember driving through Jamaica uh, years ago on a mission trip with a, bunch, a van full of teenagers, and we were driving from uh, Montego Bay to Ocho Rios, and we were going to take a, a right and go down to the center of the island where we had uh, great mission work for many, many years, good friends down there. And if you've ever made that drive from Montego Bay to uh, Ocho Rios, you recognize there's a sign on the side of the road. And it is a sign that points to a place called hedonism. Well, this is a resort, and you can only imagine what happens at this resort. I, I, I've never been there, honestly. But inevitably, year after year, taking groups of people down there, they would see that sign, and somebody on the bus would always want to know, what is hedonism? <laughs> you could set your watch by this. So that's where, you know, we would explain, well, that's that's a nudist colony, and... Uh, <laughs> And that's, that's probably just part of it. We really don't know what happens in hedonism. We just know we're not stopping, and we would drive on to our, our work. The word hedonistic, if you were to ask someone, are you hedonistic? Of course, we're going to say, well, no, I don't think so. Hed- the definition, classic definition of hedonism is the desire or the pursuit of comfort and pleasure. Now, think about that. Pursuing comfort and pleasure does not sound like that bad of an idea, yet classically defined that is the definition of hedonism. John would call this the lust of the flesh. So the world is all about seeking more comfort and more pleasure. The American dream is make a lot of money and retire early so you can live a life of comfort and pleasure. Yet we see retirement's not really a biblical concept. We don't see where any godly man or woman uh, knocked off at 60 years old on a pension and stopped pursuing God's passion and purpose for their life. It's just not in Scripture, but yet that is what we think is important. John would say, don't follow that world system. Paul would say, don't follow that world system. The lust of the flesh, the passion to feel, or hedonism. The second is the lust of the eye, the passion to have, and we call this materialism. Now, materialism is something that I'm sure you've never dealt with. Well, the lust of the eye, the passion to have, materialism, is part of the world system. I mean, every commercial on TV is, if you buy this car, it's not just going to get you to point A to point B. It's going to be an experience. (laughs) And marketing of any product that really just wants your money for their product 
is trying to convince you that if you had this, oh man, would your life be better? Have you ever done that? Have you ever had your sights set on a new purchase of something and you just convinced yourself that, boy, when I get this, you know, it's going to solve my problems. Life's going to be better. And then you buy it and you unwrap it and you use it for about a couple of weeks and you realize, huh, and you move on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. One of my friends, you know, said that the def- that the brilliance of eBay is that you take people who have a lot of junk in their garage and you connect them with people who want more junk in their garage. <laughs> well, you know, the thought that another purchase or retail therapy, uh, which is if I just get bored or anxious, I go buy something and it makes me feel better, is the lust of the eye. It's materialism. Instead of renting a house at the beach, you got to own one. Got to have it. Uh, and, you know, even the holiday seasons, regardless of what holiday it is, has always got some materialistic aspect to it. And so this is a pattern of this world. Uh, the, the lust of the flesh, the passion to feel, hedonism. The lust of the eye, the passion to have, materialism. Uh, we are in a country that's in, in, in the United States that the debt load is unbelievable as a nation. But the individual debt load of people is unbelievable too. And if you've ever lived under a mountain of debt, you understand the crushing effects of that. And it usually is a result of this concept of materialism. We have out-purchased our ability. And so we are buying things to impress people we don't like with stuff we don't need. You know, it's, it's just that classic pattern of the world. Well, everybody does it. Everybody puts it on credit cards. Well, yeah, if you're following the pattern of the world, but then the Bible comes along in God's way, it says, don't be a slave to the money lender. You see, God's way and the world's way are two different things. And the Christian, the disciple's obligation is to stop conforming to the pattern of the world and be renewed and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The third thing John says in this passage is the pride of life, the passion to be, and this is egotism, to be the man, to be the woman, to to achieve, to get the trophy, to get the corner office, to have our name on the plate or the building, uh, for people to look to us and admire us, uh, to not leave the world a better place, but to leave the world with people knowing us and thinking about us and and, and the, all the things that come with, with pride, the pride of life, egotism. You know, as one ages and becomes more spiritual, the ego becomes less significant. Don't need the recognition. As a matter of fact, when you give, instead of having your name on the building, you, you give discreetly and you almost don't want anyone to know about it. That's God's way. So this conforming to the pattern of this world uh, that Paul's speaking of, John would say in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, that, the world system is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And so it, we need to really rethink our own life and how we've fallen into that trap and then apply some practical methods for renewing our mind. Now, one may say, how do we do that? Now, understand that when I talk about the mind, I'm not talking about the brain. The brain's an organ. The mind actually goes from the top of your skull to your belt line. It is the mind, the emotions of the heart, the intuition of the gut. It's all the processing center of energy and information that causes us to have emotional reactions or make decisions in life. It's beyond just the brain. It's the mind. Now, here's four ways for us to begin the process of renewing our mind or teaching others to renew their mind. And the first one is, number one, is to hear God's word. Now, Romans 10, 17 
It says, consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So the first thing is hearing God's word. Uh, I think it's a daily practice to hear the word of God, to, um, to really listen to what God's saying, and not only hear it, but do it. You know, hearing without obedience is incomplete. And so hearing God's word is so vitally important. Do you hear God's word on a regular basis from others teaching or preaching or um, maybe listening to the Bible uh, audio or having someone read the scripture to you or reading the scripture with them? Hearing God's word is incredibly important. The second one is reading God's word. Revelation 1, 3 says, Blessed is the one who reads the words of prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written, because the time is near. Reading God's Word. You know, they say that the person whose Bible is falling apart usually means that they are not. The person who's in Scripture, reading Scripture, studying Scripture, are, is vitally important when it comes to renewing our mind. We cannot renew our mind absent of God's Word. And so while we hear God's Word, number one, and we read God's Word, number two, studying God's Word is number three. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do not do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the Word of truth. Studying Scripture. How does one do that? Well, you take a passage of Scripture and you really just dissect the words of it. Look at the context of who wrote this and why. Get into a study group. Get in with other people who are really digging out the true meaning of the Word of God and and study it together. That's a way that you renew your mind. And fourthly and finally, memorize God's Word. Psalm 119, 9-11 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart, and I might not sin against you. This hiding a word in his heart is memorizing. You know, Psalm 1 tells us uh, the man who meditates on God's Word day and night is blessed. And so as we memorize God's Word, Scripture memorization is a critical component to disciple-making. Why? Because it's how we renew our mind, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. So I want to encourage you today to do a few things. Really get in to God's Word. Understand that the renewing of our mind is not going to happen by watching the 6 o'clock news or listening to a podcast like this one, or reading a blog or talking to a friend. The only way that the mind is renewed is when it focuses on God's Word and rejects the pattern of this world that we have all found ourselves in at one time or another. So I hope that this has been encouraging for you today. For more resources or to find the outline to this teaching, you can go to 419disciplemakers.org. Lots of free resources for there, there for you. And invite someone to listen in on this podcast, if you would. We would appreciate that. And then next week, we're going to be getting into, or then on the next podcast, excuse me, we're going to be getting into uh, verses 3 through 8. I hope this is helpful for you, and I hope you are willing to share it with those that you love. God bless you. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. 